Welcome back to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome back to our Watch Club for The Bad Batch Season 2. <sighs> when have we ever followed orders? Welcome back to Watch Club. My name is CTO831, but you can call me Hugs. And I need some hugs after these, these episodes, let me tell you. This is our Watch Club finale episode for Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 2, Episodes 15, titled The Summit, and Episode 16, titled Plan 99. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and Star Wars in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in less than 12 parsecs. Now, before we lose a sibling or discover a new one, let me introduce you to our experimental crew of ragtag troopers. First up, he's taller than a Jawa, smaller than Jabba, and just as entertaining as Jar Jar, he's CT1231, also known as Edit. Snip snip, bro. What's going on? Snip snip. We're not at snips yet. That's going to be the next Watch Club, I think, maybe. <laughs> uh, who knows? Well, maybe not the next one, but oh the my next God. Star Wars Watch Club, at least. Um, <laughs> and uh, listen, dropping in high from the sky which actually that's that's unfortunate for the, anyways uh we have the dopest dankest dude on dagobah ct1006 but you can call him joints i can't it's not working right now i can't be called joints if i'm not smoking <laughs> oh no oh I, i'm oh it's oh whatever i am doing good i have a lot to talk about with that drop too don't trust me dude i we're gonna be talking about it i'm uh I, I, can you give me one, Darcy? I know it's the final time. Can you just give me one? I need it. We all need right. it. Ahoy, hoy. Uh, sorry. Thank Such you. the way it ended on this this season, I did, I just took me right out of it. Apparently, <laughs> I wasn't wasn't prepared for that ending. It wasn't even prepared to give an ahoy, hoy, a chips ahoy, hoy. Nothing's going out. right for me right now. I don't like it. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay, Darcy. We'll we'll talk about it. This is our group therapy. Uh, and rounding out our small battalion, we are so glad to have a true friend and war hero joining us. And her name is CTO118, but you can call her Brushstroke. I'm, I need the therapy session. I'm going through quite the traumatic experience. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But listen, listen, we'll get to it. We finally made it. The finale for season two. Uh, I'm pumped to talk about these episodes with you folks. Uh, before we, we get into everything... Can I just say, as a Star Wars fan, we are we are eating so well right now. Um, you know, I think I watched this finale and then I was like, oh, yeah, there's also a new episode of Mando. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. Like, I was so stoked to just be like to remember that we had Mando. Um, and that episode was incredible. And then we have Star Wars Celebration coming up and Star Wars Visions and Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew like. You know, I think it's it's kind of an interesting situation that we're in right now where we are kind of seeing Marvel uh, on that side of the fandom. They're they're sort of scaling back and we're almost seeing kind of a ramping up from from Lucasfilm, um, which I'm, I don't mind. I'll be honest with you. 
Yeah, it makes sense. You know, Star Wars kind of went through that already, you know, after The Last Jedi, and then it was very divisive, and then we had Solo, which really sent people over the edge. Uh, you know, Disney was like, we're not going to do movies with Star Wars anymore, but we're still committed to The Mandalorian. And The Mandalorian hit really well, right, in 2019 as, mm -hmm. as one of the first things on Disney+. Plus. And here we are, you know, with season three, and they also dropped The Bad Batch exclusively on, on Disney+, Plus, which did really well. We're talking about season two, and... Hopefully, we'll get an announcement for a season three. But yeah, I think it's I mean. it's safe. Well, it's it's pretty it's pretty certain. <laughs> I think based on on what happens in this episode. But it is it is interesting to see how you know at a point when Mar uh, Star Wars was scaling down, Marvel was scaling up, and now it's kind of come full circle here, where Marvel is now scaling down, and it looks like Star Wars is amping up, and and I think in the right way through television and episodic content to keep a dialogue and a conversation constantly going in and around these these characters that that doesn't need to be pocketed in just just a theater experience i know we're, we're looking forward to potentially movie news and at celebration but you know I, I think at the end of the day it's you know i star wars really is thriving here in, in episodic content and in live action and animation like this show was so freaking good yeah I think the other thing, too, just because I'm somebody who's experiencing that Marvel burnout, Star Wars is doing a really good job at releasing all of this content. Yes, it may be back to back or it's overlapping, but none of it is the same that's overlapping. So like having watch, uh, watch club, <laughs> having Bad Batch and having Mando happen sort of at the same time or overlap a little bit is totally fine because they're at completely different points in the timeline. They don't really correlate with each other at all. They're live action and animation. So it's nice to feel like we have so much to eat through, like you said, Nate, but it's not overwhelming or too much to the point where it's like, I don't care to pay attention to all of it, which is nice, just mm -hmm. as someone who's dealing with that with Marvel. So I'm kind of glad that they're scaling back a little bit over there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying Star Wars. Again, I'm excited for Celebration and everything Star Wars, so that's never going to change. And it's just, like I said, golden era for us fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think especially within the world of Star Wars animation, it's 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 you know it's must watch and and I'm mm -hmm. I would really honestly there there's so many rumors circulating about them uh, you know po potentially announcing even more uh, movies uh, at Star Wars Celebration. I would love an animated movie. I think yeah. that would be the coolest thing if we could just get an animated film, go to the theater and watch a Dave Filoni directed animated Star Wars movie. I think would be really fun and really really cool. And then we've got that kid series with little nubs rocking yeah. out there and oh, it's so freaking good. You know, Star Wars is clearly catering to a wide audience, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I think oh, with yeah. Marvel I think the audience is very you know, bulk together, if you will, right? But I think for Star Wars, you, there's there's so many different entry points for different generations that it really does make it it, it make it interesting. And to your point, Meg, about you know they're not really intertwined. I think that could still happen, obviously. Um, well, yeah, that's the exciting part. That is the exciting <laughs> part. But to but the idea, like you're saying, it's like you know we're getting we're getting an animated series that takes place in a different point in time versus The Mandalorian, which is taking place at, at, at obviously. Uh, the opposite end, if you will. Uh, it, it's it's nice to not have any real overlap, 
But as fans, we're like looking for it. We're like waiting for something that's going to connect there's, to something there's, else. There's well, stuff. There is stuff. Yeah. <laughs> stuff. Yeah. 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 So. But it's also exciting to every once in a while when it, because it started to happen a little bit, is seeing the animation cross over into the live action mm-hmm. and vice versa. Like that's. That is so much fun for people who enjoy both genres. Um, and that moment where we urge the people who are live action only and don't really like animated shows, we're at a point now where you kind of have to watch them. <laughs> well, it's to get the full experience of Star Wars because the, the movies yeah. themselves are only one part of a larger story. Now, George Lucas obviously built that story and that's what has built the success of Star Wars. But with someone like Filoni and Favreau and the entire team behind Bad Batch, like Brad Rao and Jennifer Corbett, like they are carrying this series through hurdles of of time to to get us more information and more connectivity across the board. Right. So, yeah, I think it's it's one of those things where it's like you can't we can't be ungrateful for all the content that we have we're very appreciative of everything and all the stories that we're we're getting to see but i know we're we're all itching to find a way to to make them all sort of connect at the same time i'm okay with them not connecting ever i mean i'm a fan of the <laughs> books and everything like that and some the right now i'm loving the current series the high republic because it is so far removed from everything else that it is all new to me. And I am mm-hmm. loving this journey that is taking me on through history of, of Jedi and Sith and just force users across the galaxy. So while the media, like the visual media, like, you know, your shows and movies or stuff like that are, are really popular, I really got to recommend reading these books because they add so much depth to this universe. And that's the greatest part about like kind of what we're talking about is mm-hmm. there's there's a Star Wars for everyone, mm-hmm. um, mm. and you you only you only and it's it's something that's kind of obvious at this point, but you only get a better Star Wars out of more Star Wars, mm-hmm. and they <laughs> designed that perfectly, and that's you know obviously pretty smart from a a money making standpoint on Disney and Lucasfilm side, but at the same time it it is true you you really will enjoy it so much more, um, and I love that we're getting Star Wars not just from different areas of the timeline, but from different perspectives of these different various characters. Uh, and in my perspective... The Jedi uh, are evil. The Jedi are evil, and <laughs> we should get to this episode 15. Uh, the summit starts off back on Pabu, where our Bad Batch crew continues to study the intel they received from Echo, who lets the crew know that he received intel of uh, a high-level Imperial summit taking place in ch- in just two rotations on the planet... Ariadu, uh, I think I'm pronouncing that right, at Tarkin's compound. Uh, he suggests they do a covert infiltration to plant a homing beacon on Hemlock's ship uh, and track him back to his base and thus back to Crosshair. Hunter he- uh, is hesitant and says uh, they'll, be a ta- they'll be at a tactical disadvantage, but Tech reminds him that Crosshair is still their brother and they do not leave their own behind. Hunter is convinced that, uh, and Hunter is convinced, and the crew load up the Marauder. But just before they leave, Fee stops by to say goodbye and asks Omega where they're headed. And Omega tells her it's a covert mission. Mission. <laughs> mission. Uh, and I love how she's just like, "It's a covert mission." And she just like, whispers <laughs> it, so cute. Uh, she then attempts to uh, say goodbye to Tech, who awkwardly avoids conversation with her. Uh, she asks him 
uh, to not go running off with any pirates or smugglers, and he reassures her that the mission should not involve either. Uh, she says that isn't exactly what she was getting at, and after a chuckle, she walks away saying, see you around, brown eyes. Uh, so clearly, Fee and Brown Eyes uh, absolutely are an item. Uh, if we didn't believe it before, it's it's obviously happening now. Do you think Tech feels the same way about her, but just can't express it, or is this one sided? I think he has feelings. To your point, he can't express them, but he's not yeah. reading the signals, man. She's clearly flirting with him, right? You know, basically <laughs> saying, I mean, you know. Don't run off with anyone else, you know. Uh, you're you're all mine, brown eyes, right? Like basically low key saying that. And tech is tech is just he's socially awkward, man. He's just not reading the signals. Yeah, yeah. I think you know. Um, after that moment, um, there's there's a a moment that we will be getting to that we're all very upset about. Um, but after watching that, I actually went back and rewatched um that scene in episode nine. Uh, the crossing with Tech and Omega in the Ipsmeme mine, yeah. and I was like, I cried all throughout that too. <laughs> but um, but we did see Tech opening up to Omega about how he processes moments uh, and and thoughts differently uh, than everyone else, and and I think this was just another example of that. I think um, I think he he might actually have feelings for Fee here, but he just he really can't express yeah, he it. Can't. Um, yeah. And and that and now that I think about it, like I was a little. I wasn't sure how I felt about the whole fee and, and tech situation, um, but I'm shipping them off, man. It, they should definitely get together. Have well, some kids. Makes, <laughs> I'm just saying it makes sense because I think um, fee is a treasure hunter and she loves to solve mysteries, right? Mm. So it would make sense that she'd go for tech who doesn't it's wear his emotions on his sleeve. All. Like you have yeah. to, yeah, you kind of have to like uncover who this person is. He's an onion. He's an onion. Yeah. <laughs> he's so layers. many different layers. Um, he's would, he's, he's the real treasure. He's the real he's treasure. The real yeah. treasure. She just can't unlock. She can't That's unlock it. him, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Dinner was coming up. Yo, there. Star Didn't Wars romance story, you know? You got like okay tech. I want a romantic comedy at some point. <laughs> um, but what would Fee and Tech's couple name be? Is it Feck? Or is it or T? T? <laughs> I like no, tea. I like, I, I like Feck. Get the I mean, Feck out of here. <laughs> are, are, there, are, there ship are there ship names in Star Wars? Everyone just says Han and Leia. They never say Heia or Heia Han. Heia. <laughs> I don't mind it. Maybe you don't. Yeah, maybe you don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, little Omega. It's a COVID mission. Oh, I was she's just like, so cute. Oh. Then she goes and says, I'll tell you all about it after. <laughs> so Not is it covert? No. Um, I also want to call out the moment of, of Hunter having doubt and Tech being the first one to step up and say they don't leave their own behind. And again, it, it kind of shows that while, while it may be tough for him to express his emotions to Fee, he has come a long way from that moment in the Ipsium mine uh, with Omega in terms of showing love for his family. Because that was the big contention point for her in that episode is why don't you express that, you, that we are a family? And here he's, this is his way of saying... No, 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 Hunter. We are a family. We do not leave our mm. own behind. And I, I absolutely adored that. And when you think about that in in relation to what Crosshairs learned over the episodes mm. and understanding the brotherhood and the relationship they had from a distance through his relationships and interactions with others, it's it's very reminiscent of of that overarching theme that they are stronger together. Always. Okay, let's let's keep going here. We see Hemlock arriving late to Governor Tarkin's meeting. I'd be 
pretty upset if he arrived late to my meeting. This uh, guy claiming, just showing up, strolling in. He's like, the, the meeting in. doesn't start until I get there. Apparently. <laughs> <There. laughs> um, and he says there were, there were matters that required his attention. Uh, they managed to sneak by Imperial security cruisers with clearance codes. Or sorry, the Bad Batch manages to sneak by Imperial security cruisers with clearance codes provided to them by one of Echo and Rex's contacts. Uh, and they go through a lovely walk through the forest as they size up their next move. They decide to hitch a ride on a Skyrail car in order to access the compound unnoticed. Uh, after a, a bout of acrophobia from Wrecker, the crew make it to the base where they take out the stormtroopers guarding the entrance. Just before we continue, they're using blasters here. Uh, why do you think they aren't using stun blasts at this point? Well, I feel like one of the things we have noticed, at least throughout this show and this season specifically, is that they can kind of sense when there's another clone. They sort of understand mm. that. And yeah, I think they just are at this point now where it's like, well, anybody in that stormtrooper outfit, there's a very good chance that they're not part of our family or a brother. So um, I don't think that they have that guard up anymore. And yeah, I, there's a moment also when they're walking through that forest when um, Omega says like, what kind of approach are we going to do? A sidewind reach? And I was yeah. like, I love how she's like taking on all she of knows. their little code names for things. Yeah. It's so cute. So good. I mean, I was of the, the thinking that this is Tarkin's home world. And it was widely known throughout the Clone Wars how much he hated the clones. So oh, wow. Oh, yeah. This isn't really like a surprise to me that he would maybe have a, a non-clone security detail for his, you know, home base. So that that was what I was thinking as soon as they, they said Ariadu, because again, that is his home world. It's where he grew up. It's where he rose to power and then became friends with Sheev. So, yeah. Mm, interesting. Uh, buddies with old old sheep, old Palpy. <laughs> I, I love the idea of Tarkin and and Palpy walking into a room doing a high like a a, a, a high five, you know. And he's like sheep. Um, wow, we need an animation of that right now. Yeah. Um, I was thinking maybe Echo informed them off screen, like kind of what you were saying, Darcy. Of like, hey, we know this area. We know they're not clones or mm -hmm. that, that sort of thing. Because um, they're just tossing <laughs> fools all over the place and shooting them. Um, but can we just take a quick moment to just admire the lighting yet again oh. in the forest as they walk through it? Like, I, listen, we dabbling. This, last <laughs> season during the finale episode, they did the same thing in the dark mm -hmm. and it was gorgeous. Yeah. And then Tales for the Jedi, we talked about in our spoiler free review, absolutely incredible. And then just, it's just so damn cool when they do the light bleed onto these characters. I think both these finale episodes feel like they've stepped it up in terms of the, the cinematography and overall quality. Look. Like, yeah. It's yeah. so freaking good. But even you the could go back to the very first episode of season one and yeah. Hunter chasing, he's chasing Caleb through the forest and you're looking at it like this is picturesque. Like it's so gorgeous that I think it's that like the first six seasons of Clone Wars was what we knew Star Wars animation to be. Mm -hmm. And then you get season seven and the two seasons of Bad Batch are like so far ahead in yeah. their animation. They've so they've that. they've stepped it up for animation yeah. overall across the board. I think like Clone Wars season seven was unbelievable, but Ugh. yeah, I think that this 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 whole season has been really outstanding for for animation, and it really does highlight like Lucasfilm has got it down. This is why they do things in house. Like, mm -hmm. This is why they do things in house. Mm -hmm. They don't outsource. They do everything in house, and it shows. And that's part of the reason why we've 
you know, the, the visual effects, you know, in live action look a lot better than something like Marvel, right? Because Marvel, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, they're always scrutinized based on the fact that, like, their graphics are inconsistent. It's because they, they go out of house, you know, they, they mm-hmm. have people competing against one another. And that's all that stuff, that drama that's been on the news, right? But Lucasfilm has, has, has stayed committed to that craft because that's kind of what they're built off of, right? So, yeah. Well, speaking of staying committed, let's stay committed to this episode. Uh, at, the, at the summit meeting, Tarkin, uh, amongst other high-ranking members of the Empire, other officers, discussed the next step for securing a military presence throughout the galaxy. Tarkin asks Hemlock uh, what he has to report from his advanced science division. He says the progress they are making in the field of cloning is of great importance to the Emperor, saying that once they've fully unlocked the secrets previously only known to the Kaminoans, uh, they can ensure an enlightened society through advanced technology and molecular alteration. Hurst Ramadi, who just has a terrible haircut in this episode, by the way, like absolutely <laughs> awful looking. Uh, it's just they did not do a good job animating no, his hair. His, no. his haircut <laughs> is so bad. Um, he, he reminds Hemlock that there are many in the Senate who are fighting for clone rights uh, and that if word gets out, that could prove detrimental to their goals. Barton Coburn, Coburn, Coburn? Barton Coburn chimes in, uh, mentioning how he served with the clones for many years and reminds them that they are cunning warriors who are loyal to the end. Tarkin says under Jedi leadership, the clones adopted a, uh, quote, disturbing level of individuality. Barton worries about them taking up arms against them, and after Hemlock says some already have, Tarkin dismisses both of them, saying they will deal with them swiftly and unilaterally uh, to quell any threat of a clone uprising. Then he turns his attention to the other side of the table, where he asks Commander Krennic for a status update on Project Stardust. Okay, so that was probably... I think for me, it was the most interesting scene in this episode as far as like building out the overall world, what's going on with these with the Empire at this point. Mm. What did you folks think of this meeting of terrible people? And what did you think of that lovely little Rogue One cameo? Yeah, I think that this is this is very enlightening to where the Empire is at this moment with projects and plans. And we know the Death Star is is on the horizon, if you will. And so to have Krennic in this scene really does connect those dots and shows how the Empire is invested in things that are going to help them, you know, on a military basis, seize power, while also obviously with Hemlock there on a scientific level, mm-hmm. right? Uh, obviously, Tarkin seems to have doubt in in what Hemlock's doing, and you know thinks that it's crazy the amount of money, which makes me wonder. Like again, Hemlock mentions the Emperor, yeah, and and for the work for the Emperor. Does Tarkin know what Hemlock's working on and who it's for? Like, is he maybe in the dark about what the research and cloning research is is going on that Hemlock's doing and and who it's to serve? Because that's kind of what I thought. Like, why would he, if he's doing the work for the Emperor, um, is he an like a like a serious Emperor loyalist? That that is part of that fraction that's going to want a cloned version of him to come back. Well, I think I think the Emperor. Old Palpy, he <laughs> he makes sure that only the people who need to know know. Yes, and I think there's a lot of mystery. There always has been with him. He doesn't confide in anybody. So if Hemlock is the one who's in charge of the cloning stuff, Hemlock's the only guy who needs to know. Yeah, you know, like we found that out when it 
when all that stuff started happening to um uh, I can't remember his name now, but the sort of team leader that Crosshair was dealing with. Rampart. Oh, then. Rampart. Rampart, thank mm-hmm. you. You know, he was told to do all of this stuff and then old Palpy just like flipped it on its head <laughs> and was like, uh, sorry, you're fired now and you're going to jail and probably going to die or something because, <laughs> you know. Palpy. You're- I, I love the idea that that's Palpy in the in the back room of the Senate. Yeah. It's just like, hey, you're probably just, you're going to die now. You're going like, to die now. It's like, so. just whatever, just go away. <laughs> Um, I will say that I was telling Justin offline that this sort of felt like it reminded me of like what I imagined the Star Wars story group uh, at Lucasfilm <laughs> is like, okay, so we've got the sequel, you know, Hemlock's talking about the sequel trilogy stuff and then they turn over to, to, to Krennic and they're like, okay, so Rogue One, what's this all about? Let's talk about the side project. Um, Krennic uh, says one line. He says, yes, Governor Tarkin. And that is Ben Mendelsohn's voice according to the credits um also hearst ramadi who's got that horrible haircut is voiced <laughs> by andy de la tour who is a british actor who played ramadi in rogue one so there's rogue one all oh up God. and down this episode um cool. and to hear project stardust i think was such a, a cool reference it made it just made me think of, of thrawn again again i know i'm always looking for references to Thrawn, but I feel like at this point in the timeline, he is still going through the Imperial Academy, so he hasn't even heard about Project Stardust yet, so that's why he's not sitting at this table of bigwigs oh. talking about his, <laughs> his Defender program. Right. So this is pre-Thrawn era. That's right. Again, I find it funny seeing all these Imperials. I'm just wondering about where Thrawn is. Cause mm-hmm. That's why I want Thrawn. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you, got a, sure. you got a hard Thrawn on right now. That's what's oh. going on. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. That's well done. Well done. Um, also, the other thing, too, like the fact that Tarkin calls out an uprising of clones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that something that is being foreshadowed that we would see? Because it kind of feels like this season was showing that in, 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 in or sort Well, we sorry, had a bit sorry, of it but in showing, season one as well. Yeah, we mm-hmm. in, in, probably. Yeah, very much so, I guess, in, in season one. But, you know, it feels like in, in season two, they're really leaning into this alignment with the yeah. clones. And uh, that's kind of been explored through season two. So I'm wondering if that's a bit of a foreshadow uh, in, in regards to what, what we will see inevitably. Well, I think that because this show is so focused on clones mm. and their sort of their place in yeah. the Empire, um, I think it's a cool like parallel to the rebellion. Mm. There's a, a, a rebellion starting, a spark that's sort of happening. It obviously isn't that noticeable quite yet, but I think that clone uprising is almost the clone version. Oh, maybe of it's the, the rebellion. thing that starts the rebellion. Maybe I don't know because it's like Rex and Echo and uh, that guy with the crazy voice. <laughs> Gregor. Gregor. (laughs) You know, they're all sort of already doing some rebellion things. So maybe they're the ones that start it all. I mean, it'd be cool because, I mean, the whole reason why Rex had a beard in Rebels was because Filoni imagined him being the guy on Endor, that final battle. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, so if it's kind of... Full circle. If they he was hmm. created from the rebellion to now start and lead the that rebellion. That was his master. Like, that's that's his oh, master plan. That's his cool. master plan. <laughs> that would be a cool little payoff, I must say. Yeah, and a much cooler haircut. 
Um, I also, <laughs> I also, Man, you're so hung up on these haircuts. Listen, <laughs> these haircuts, they gotta have better haircuts. Um, I also wanted to just shout out Tarkin for being so relatable here. Of just oh like he knows how difficult it is to get them all together. You know what I mean? When you're trying to get all your <laughs> friends together, and it's like we can't pick a date. And he's like, even if in a face of an attack, he's like, I don't want to reschedule this. We're just gonna figure it out. <laughs> we're not. We're not changing this date. Um, I also wanted to mention that I, I, I did predict that we would see a hologram of a red trooper while Hemlock was giving a speech. Um, but I, I, you know, I wasn't wrong, but sadly it's not a Sith trooper. It, it looks like it might just be like an indicator of what clones have died during their, their experimentation or something like that. You see like sort of in the hologram. Um, and one last thing I noticed is there's an empty chair at the table. Um, and there's always an empty chair at these meetings. No, (laughs) definitely not Thrawn. Cause as, as Darcy said, it wouldn't be his time yet, but I'm just saying like Vader probably like choked some guy out that week. Yeah, and he, he couldn't was make busy. It to the meeting. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or they're saving his seat in case the Emperor himself decides to show up. Oh. You, always have, you always have to have a spot You're for the big boss. Seat. That's true. Yeah, I can <laughs> see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This seat is uncomfortable. <laughs> Get me a pillow. Do it. Okay. Do it. Limited comfort. <laughs> he finally finds a seat that he like enjoys. That's so... <laughs> oh man, bring back Star Wars robot chicken somehow, please. Um, all right, let's keep going here. Back with the Bad Batch, they managed to sneak further into the facility. Wrecker and Omega work on approaching Hemlock Shuttle uh, at Docking Lane 4. As they access the security systems, they notice that the security cameras have been hacked, oddly enough. Uh, Tech and Hunter decide to investigate. While investigating, they notice someone else is targeting this base and planting charges to blow it up. Tech mentions that one bomb will not be sufficient to blow the whole base, and Saw Guerrera says it's a good thing they have more. He tells them uh, his intention is to level the compound and take out every last Imperial inside of it. Hunter tells him that that can't happen as they're tracking one of the officers so that they can find the base where Crosshair is kept. Tech reminds Guerrera that in in taking out the compound, he'd be wiping out any chance to gather intel that could help his cause. Saw rebukes this, saying that, uh, that taking out their top officers will be a good start. But again, Tech reminds him that their ranks will just be quickly replenished. They're all interrupted by a security team, uh, and this causes them to have to split up. So what did we think of seeing Saw Guerrera here, and what do you think of his plan to wipe out the Imperial compound? Well, I had a quick moment, like Darcy with Thrawn, where I almost thought those two stormtroopers dressed up was Kanan and Ezra. Obviously couldn't be the case because of the timeline, but we see them so often dressed like that, and there was a tall one and a short one, so I was like, but yeah, that's not possible. (laughs) So um, it's super fun to see Saw. Always great when he pops up in the animated shows because he is sprinkled throughout them all. Yeah, Um, he's kind of becoming the new, like, the new 3PO, at least for for these series, (laughs) these animated series. Yeah, and I, I feel like, Saw's always been sort of the extremist when it comes yes. to rebellion stuff, so it's not a surprise that he just wants to blow well, everything up. Blow it all. Yeah. Well, you see that Andor theme of you know doing good but doing you know but having but, like but but uh, being bad at the same time. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, there's mm-hmm. no conscience. Like the fact that Tech is like, well, if we gather intel, that can be useful for like destroying their infrastructure. But you just want to kill them all and just destroy mm-hmm. their remnants. Like there, there's no like th- that doesn't that doesn't solve the problem, right? It is kind of the mentality around it. But again, like you said, Saw has always been that sort of radicalist sort of mm-hmm. you know 
uh, extremist uh, style of, of rebellion. But I think rebellions need that too. Do you know what I mean? Oh, totally. I mean, that happens with every sort of visionary mm. group. Um, but I think, again, it all stems from that one episode in Clone Wars where they kill his sister mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it's it's this vengeful feeling it's mm. not a like to gain power over them or to right, learn yes. things he and to kill. yeah he doesn't want he to demolish revenge. from the inside yeah. he yeah, just yeah. wants revenge yeah. so yeah yeah i think um there's a ton of rogue one in this episode which i think could be a, a running theme as we slowly creep towards uh the moments of andor and new hope i mean we're we're at 18 uh what is it 18 bby um so it's it's we're we're a little ways out but i you know it, it makes sense that we're seeing this this stuff, conversation um, yeah this it's, conversation it's already, happening yeah, these characters yeah, yeah. and yeah. i think as for saw he's he's clearly getting to the place where we see him 20 years from now in rogue one um where he's he's absolutely like that full-on extremist and just wants to kill everyone um, his logic here makes absolutely no sense. No. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and given what happens later, and we'll get to it, but I'm beefing with this guy right now, okay? I like Saw Guerrero before. I'm beefing with this guy. And he's he's the reason they weren't able to complete their mission. They're, he's the reason they can't get back to Crosshair. And it's really frustrating that he's he's doing this. And, uh, and it just continues to show kind of the early mistakes made by the quote-unquote good guys. Right. And yeah. this is kind of a thing that we've sort of been seeing more and more yeah. throughout these different eras of, of Star Wars, um, you know, as we're kind of going along. And so it's it's really interesting to kind of see that happening uh, mm-hmm. within these these this timeline. Yeah, they're really hammering home the whole idea of good as a matter of perspective. Mm-hmm. You can do horrible That's things it, for the right reason. Yes. And it still doesn't change the fact that they're horrible things. So, so who's yeah. ever right and who's ever yeah. wrong? Right. Like, yeah. you know, they, they that's been seed planted since freaking the last Jedi. They yes. started putting that in there. And then that that as like was sort of like a thread that has been or a seed that's been planted in all of these different mm-hmm. shows and all in these different ways to kind of talk about what does good look like? What does bad look like? Right. It's mm-hmm. what George Lucas was, you know, uh, listen, say what you will about some of the dialogue in those prequels. But, you know, <laughs> from my perspective, the Jedi are evil. Like that is essentially Actually point of view. Right there. They're, oh, from my point of view. There we go. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the idea. Um, okay, back in the meeting room as alarms blaze and shock troopers walk in to protect them, Tarkin demands they proceed with the meeting. He's like, I really, I, we can't pick another day, uh, telling them they are perfectly safe. Uh, the Bad Batch then make their way through the compound, taking out troopers as they go. They eventually make it back onto the Skyrail car uh, to make a swift exit in fear of getting caught in Guerrera's explosion. Uh, Guerrera and his troops manage to steal a ship and fire the explosions that ripple through the base uh, but caused no damage to the meeting room. This explosion does, however, cause the Skyrail car to lose power, and just like that, sorry, and just like at the end of episode one, the Bad Batch is left high in the sky as we cut to credits. Um, so I know we all want to get to that next episode and get to that moment, but just before we do, what did you think of this episode as a midway point? Honestly, I was very much whelmed by this episode. Yeah. It, it, Served the purpose of leading up to the, the finale, and that was all it did, in my opinion. There was mm-hmm. nothing really wow aside from that, like the, the so, ooh, Saw Gerrera surprise being crazy again, and then, oh, Director Krennic for two seconds. Mm-hmm. Like, that was all the, the joy I got out of this episode, unfortunately. So it, it was, yeah, very much whelmed. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I like that phrase. I think it reminded me, like again, like the first episode of this entire mm-hmm. season, as a as a one of two. Um, but like that first episode, I felt like it also did a good showcase of showing us like all the different skills of each member of the Bad Batch. Omega sneaking around, uh, Wrecker wrecking, like the, he stomps on a little mouse droid at one point. <laughs> uh, Hunter leading them, and Tech doing all that reprogramming, like. It's it's very much meant to be a setup for what's to come, but I think it was also kind of a almost in a weird way like a a, a nostalgia trip for like hey this is where we came from as well like this well is, no it's this is yeah. like what we began this is exactly how we began sort of thing well it's 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 the bad batch this was a classic heist infiltration episode mm-hmm. to your point that showcases the skills of the bad batch collectively working together infiltrating and getting in but you know saw cut his way through their plans. I don't know. I was trying he to think sawed, of something. He, yeah. he saw his way through <laughs> I love it. I love it. Good job. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, but I think that um, the 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 circumstances that they find themselves at the end of this episode, I'm with Darcy. I felt a little whelmed, right? It's yeah. like, well, why, why can't we just keep going? Why do I need to go to the next episode, right? Mm-hmm. Right. If it had been more drastic where like they were on their way and then they got catapulted and they suddenly were divided, I'd have been more interested in like, oh, okay, like mm-hmm. they're, you know, they were almost on their way out and now yeah. they're all separated. So like how how is this all going to come together? So um yeah, I, I'm with Darcy. I think that like I would have just rather this have been one episode. Mm-hmm. I think to your point in in episode one, where it does leave you with that that cliffhanger, it does set up them being divided. Mm. It sets mm-hmm. up like they're divided. So it, you know that made it a little bit more interesting and, and serves the one two punch. But here it was like, why do we need to break? It's they're stuck in the air. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like what happens at the beginning of the next episode could have happened at the end of this one. Mm. So like. They, it's almost my brain is thinking like the moment that Tech is falling mm-hmm. and shoots his gun and that could have like cut to black. That would have been like, more impactful. What? Yeah, that would yeah. have been more impactful for mm-hmm. And then that would have at least rounded out, you know, the back half of the uh, of this two-parter yeah. as like, you know, uh, maybe a bit of a vengeance piece or like them getting out of there, you know, whatever, right? So I, I yeah. agree with you, Mike. I agree with you. Well, I mean, it's good that we didn't have to wait. Uh, a whole week <laughs> to get to that second episode. I'm sure. glad they put it out at the same time. Yeah, and that's true. Um, I do want to shout out Kevin Kiner uh, again. Uh, the theme here when we hear Guerrera and his troops, again, I'm beefing with Guerrera, but this moment <laughs> when he's like, when they're running through, they broke, like the elevator opens up, he's shooting all of them. This music was so good and it reminded me a lot of what Jakino did with Rogue One um, where there's like these like really like sort of like swirling strings going on and I was like let's it was it was a get hype moment even though I was like really pissed at the guy uh, yeah <laughs> there was also a moment of animation that I got really excited about not just the landscapes and everything but when they're in that sort of like back and forth battle scene they've just seen uh, saw tech does this like crouch and turn and the camera the way it like follows him into a corner to hide was really cool. I don't know well, I if anybody it. else noticed that. But yeah, there's a moment where he like is getting shot at. He shoots and then he turns to like go in behind sort of like a corner so he can hide. But just the animation of that was so well done. And I I don't think they use any mocap for this show. So well, I mean, the way they run is so inhuman. I don't think yeah. that is no cap. <laughs> so then, even for a like crouching moment, just because there's a moment in uh, 
the Clone Wars season seven that they do definitely use mocap. So sometimes it's like, are they just that good at animation? And that is the case. Well, I sometimes, you know, as Star Wars fans, we love a good turn and shoot uh, as we've seen (laughs) from many different characters, you know, uh, in good ways with like someone like maybe like Han or something, but bad ways. Um, book of Boba Fett. Uh, let's oh. let's keep <laughs> let's keep moving on here. On to episode sixteen. Are you guys ready? I don't know if I'm ready to do this. No. Plan ninety nine. Our final episode of season two starts off right where we left our Bad Batch crew stuck high in the sky uh, in a sky rail car with no power to move forward as they force open the door. They're immediately attacked by troopers on the other car. Uh, And I love seeing um, Wrecker. He pulls Omega by the head (laughs) into the the car and just, like, grabs her whole head. Um, Tech says he cannot reboot the system, but but he'll need to – sorry, he can reboot the system, but he'll need to plug directly into one of the terminals on the track. Tech manages to reach the terminal as Tarkin demands air support be sent in to to take them down, even though this would risk the lives of his own soldiers. Uh, But he says he's aware – do it, um, which Megan and I were joking that maybe he got that from his boss. Uh, yeah, during, old palpy. <laughs> during the aerial strike, the second car is shot loose from the track, pulling both cars down. Tech attempts to climb back to his brothers, but as he does, he notices that any shift of weight will cause both cars to fall. He demands they sever the connection hinge. Wrecker tells him he won't do it until Tech gets back up. Tech says there is no time. And says, Plan 99. Wrecker says, don't you do it, Tech. And Tech sighs and says, when have we ever followed orders? He shoots the line separating the two cars and falls along with it as Omega screams his name. Without the weight of the other car, the remaining Skyrail car advances too quickly, causing them to crash through a wall at the base of the compound. And we fade to black. You know, they do this. They build up this character (laughs) for an entire season after we complained in the first season that we didn't get enough of certain characters. And then they just rip our hearts out. Let's talk about tech. He sacrificed himself here. What did you think of this moment, this loss? And is tech truly gone? I... I'm still emotionally distraught about all of this. Oh. I'm not happy, and I cried so much. Yeah. I was so stressed from the moment he like climbed up to the top of that train. Yeah, he's I was climbing like, up the ladder in his little. Only foot bad slips. things. Yeah, oh. only bad things can happen from here. Um, there's a little bit of a like brain moment where he jumps from the rail to the platform to do his little thing. But he has that grapple gun, so I don't know why he did that. Well, because the jumping was down. Grappling is for going up. Uh, yeah, but you could still. <laughs> you, yeah, okay. I don't know. Pulling yourself down well, it seems like a bad thing. You already fall fast <laughs> enough, right? Like, fair, fair. Okay, physics. Um, but then I also have that little part in my brain that goes, every single person who's fallen in Star Wars doesn't die. Well, and another member of the Bad Batch was presumed dead for so long, and then it turns out he was just being used as a computer. So, right. mm. like, yeah, yeah, he's not gone. He's, he's not dead. Not no, he is a hundred percent still alive. I think it was. It's definitely. It's for the emotional moment that it gave mm-hmm. you because it mm-hmm. still hits, even though on uh, the other yeah. side, I'm like, no, he's still alive. He's he's down there. Is he's, he though? He's alive. Yeah. Is he though? We don't. It's more like 
we ha- we haven't seen a body. We'll man. talk about it we'll, later. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens. But I honestly think that this is um, to your point, uh, Nate. Like you were saying, they spent the entire season really giving tech giving each of the bad batch their moment to shine but now a lot more tech this season no but but like but i think now we see that now because tech is dead right or is is gone right we realize like yeah you can reflect he's mia there you go (laughs) darcy doesn't want to admit it right he's not dead uh, so i i honestly (laughs) think that um you know for them to spend the season and to give us these hints that someone's not going to end up out of this alive like there, there could be a, a one of the batches that were gone and the fact that it is tech um it hits that much more like it, it hurts uh but uh, i gotta say um michelle ang as uh as, mm-hmm. as omega really emotional she really like y- you felt it it didn't feel like it was it was uh scripted it, it came from a very real place and then to read after that she was very shocked at that outcome and what had happened i think that's what what really connected with that performance in that moment was actually losing tech. So I thought that was great. And even even uh, D Dadly Breaker, D Dadly Baker. That's what we'll call him. D um, He is a Dadly. Um, you know, I think even just with Wrecker in that moment, like you know, screaming out and reaching out, and and just that line delivery as tech um, was fantastic. Don't you do it. I just I think um, I d- I'm torn on if I want him to come back. And, and I'll explain why. I, I, of course, I want them to come back, but, but I also would want them to write it. They have to, and they're they're super smart, so they probably can figure it out. But they'd have to write it back to a point where this sacrifice still matters, right? This this yeah. moment still holds that same levity if they bring him back. Um, I think you know if if they did something like maybe they do something where the bad batch is trapped and in the distance, Omega sees a ship. And it's like flying away from them, but then it does a special turn that she recognizes, and it's the tech turn, and he flies in to say, "I don't know, I'm I'm just writing my my wishful thinking here." <laughs> yeah, yeah, put the pen down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also think too, like the the fact that we're we're pretty sure that tech is not gone. Oh yeah, the emotional weight is from Omega and Wrecker mm-hmm. and the way they respond to tech falling. Two that's more yes. yeah, mm. that's more what's so sad to mm. to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's their it's their emotional reaction that makes us react. Like I, I think yeah. like that's why I cried, right? But um I think the it, there's there's still a place to bring back tech and have it make sense. He could have amnesia, right? He mm-hmm. could he could have totally lost his memory. You know what I mean? Or brainwashing. I mean yeah. Later on this episode, oh, is he see... their villain? Mm. Whoa, there you like, go, Nate. That's what you got. You got we, it. Didn't we kind of pick already your get pen that back up? Hair? Write that. Didn't we already yeah. get that? With no, he hair? was already like that. He was. That's just. He was him. already a dick. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> he was already a dick. Yeah. Tech, not a dick. Not a dick. Tech yeah. is yeah, not he's, evil. He's a sweet guy. Maybe and maybe Fee is the one that brings back his memory. Brown eyes. Bro. What they have like Rises a up. like a like a <laughs> Natasha Romanoff Hulk situation sort of thing? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The maybe. sun is coming down. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Maybe I don't know. It'd just be more like seeing her be the jar. I like that idea. I yeah. don't know. I just feel like the fact that we have seen like far worse falling, and especially on a, like Iriadu mm-hmm. is a very lush planet, lots of lakes and trees. Very easy at breaking falls. Like he wasn't yeah. that high up considering planes and ships exist or like spaceships exist he could have fallen from outer space yeah he'd be dead he's falling from a chair <laughs> i don't think he's that hurt so 
Video game physics. If yeah. he falls into water, he's fine. <sighs> exactly. Well, <laughs> he's also super smart. Maybe he knows exactly how to aim they, himself they, to minimize damage. Aren't they also They're heightened also... for for like pain tolerance? Yes, and like, they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they so have like, enhanced reflexes too. So exactly. like, there are so many. He things. has a grapple gun. <laughs> I mean, Boom, I'm thinking that he didn't go, have a lot of charges because why wouldn't he shoot and then? <laughs> yeah, Listen, I don't know. Okay, if a tech falls in a lake, you know, does he make a sound? Um, I also want to say, poor <laughs> no, Omega. Record does. Record definitely does. Um, <laughs> yeah. Omega's been through so much. Like I, we were crying when she was upset about Echo leaving for like. Uh, like a week, <laughs> a hot minute. And now yeah, tech might be gone forever. Um, or in season one, when Wrecker is like the the in- yeah. inhibitor and chip goes off, him. and then he's yeah. Uh, okay, let's get trauma. My, my heart can't. Let's just keep going <laughs> here. Omega wakes up and stumbles as she searches for tech, uh, and I love that. That's the first thing that she does. Uh, she falls down and, and blacks out, and from her point of view, uh, we see Wrecker. Uh, Hunter and Echo uh, carrying her back to the Marauder while escaping Imperial forces. They bring her back to Ord Mantell where she wakes up with uh, with Hunter by her side. AZ floats in relieved uh, to see that she's awake and Wrecker follows and tells her not to scare them like that ever again. Hunter asks Omega what she remembers uh, and she comes to the realization that Tech isn't there and that what actually happened, happened. Uh, Tech, sorry, Tech didn't make it. Um, she begs Hunter saying they have to go back crying that Tech's not gone he can't be she asks Hunter why Tech made the decision to sacrifice himself and then Hunter you know sort of tries to ease her mind and tells her that the galaxy has changed so much and so have they he asks Omega if she'd want to basically retire on Pabu and she just sort of quietly nods her head Sid hands Wrecker a drink telling him it's on the house and that she's sorry about goggles Echo, uh, back on the ship, gets a warning from Gunki uh, that the Empire has arrived. Uh, and with his calm scrambled, he sets out to warn his brothers. Sid remains unnervingly quiet, and Wrecker asks her, what did she do? Uh, when all of a sudden, the clone commandos bust into the bar. Hunter orders Omega to run and hide, but she stops, saying she's already lost tech. She's not going to lose them, too. Hunter enters the bar and sees Wrecker handcuffed on his knees with blasters at his head. Hemlock turns uh, and hands a case of credits to Sid and says, Our business is done. Leave. And she slowly walks away with her head lowered in shame. So let's pause here. Sid betrayed them. We th- we th- all predicted this was going to happen. I think the whole world did. What did we think of this betrayal and... What you know? Why do you think she she did it? What do you think she meant by making the best of a bad situation? Well, first of all, I know that Az is like a health droid or whatever, but why didn't they go to Pabu? Yeah, why are they yeah. going back to Armentel? Mm. I guess <laughs> like maybe that. They- they may have been worried about the heat they might be bringing after you know raiding an imperial base. And yeah, that's 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 them. what I thought. Like, I I thought that. Okay. I I honestly thought that, and I thought it was probably closer to where they were versus sure. versus going all the way back to Pabu, but I don't know. I don't I don't yeah. know the logistical I don't have a map of the galaxy. <laughs> uh, maybe to, maybe to they re- I mean maybe they they were worried that like you know, I think A Z is maybe the only one that's ever medically worked on them, I think. Yeah. So maybe that's, that's, that's kind of that's the first thought that they, they went have to their doctor. That's all that they, they knew. Yeah. yeah, they went to, <laughs> they their, yeah. they went went to their, their doctor. doctor. Well yeah. and they do say that too. It's like go to Ord Mantel, A Z can help her. Yeah. 
So yes. that's yeah. obviously all they were worried about. Yes, um, yes, that's probably exactly what they were worried about. And I, it seems like Sid was just waiting for that opportunity, right? Well, and I think there must have been some sort of tip off for Sid that they know, like the Empire knows that she knows where Omega is or knows about them yeah. or has this connection to them. And that was the like threat that... Um, <laughs> that's that that's it's talking about yeah, yeah. no i i totally got yeah. you. yeah she was threatened by the empire hey we know you're connected yeah. to omega so I, either you hand her over or we take you or whatever right and i think yeah. i mean because she wouldn't she didn't know that they were coming back in that moment so it's not like she would have had no. time to like make a deal and all this stuff like make a quick phone call uh in the back no. room or something like i think i think she knew yeah they knew she knew that they were they were coming um, and she, or she didn't know they were coming, but she, she knew the, the number to kind of call immediately, um, to sort of say like, Hey, it, they're here. Um, the deal we mentioned, we're going to go through with it. But I, I yeah. also feel like a lot of it is out of spite as well. Um, obviously Sid's pretty pissed with them. Um, mm-hmm. I hope she redeems herself next season because I, I really do like Rhea Perlman. Um, and I, I think I would be really great to, to see a, a moment of redemption for Sid in, in whatever way that is. Nate's got beef with Sid now too, right? Oh, I got yeah. beef with Sid, beef with Saw. Like, look out! I got Sid beef saw. with all of you. Sid um, Saw. Sid yeah. Saw. Um, I, I have to say though, I think I think you're right, Nate. I think there's a little bit of like um, frustration from Sid mm-hmm. in that you know she did a lot for the Bad Batch. You know, I think she cared about Omega as well, and they they sort mm-hmm. of like turned turned their back on on her. And I, I think, you know, like making the best of a bad situation, it could be the Empire kind of breathing down her neck about something or she has debts. Like, I think the Empire is obviously it has, you know, sort of a, is it called an APB when they put like a, a you know, a wanted yeah. uh, sure. for mm-hmm. people? Yeah. Um, so I think that the Empire is, is definitely has sent out, you know, feelers for we're looking for a group of clones, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Sid acted on that because there was a hefty reward that was there mm. for her. So yeah, I also wanted to um, just kind of mention I I had a prediction earlier that Darcy, you absolutely I feel like we're same brain right now uh, from earlier. Um, where yeah, I, you know Hemlock throwing the text glasses onto the ground, he very much could be lying here, um, and maybe he's working on tech uh, at at his lab. But I was wondering if maybe he's like. He fixes his vision, and so he doesn't need the glasses anymore. And so tech doesn't, you know, he's kind of, he's sort of kind of improving tech, but at the same time, he's making him not tech anymore. And and I like, I, I do like the idea that if he was to return um, tech, he'd be sort enemy. of, yeah, well, he becomes something that, you know, is even more tragic than his death. I think would be really, really kind of a oh, a really sad yeah. way to do it. But then I I like kind of Megan your idea of of like or or I don't know who said it, but Fee Fee being the one to that was Justin. oh Justin for Fee being the one to bring him back. Um, I'm just saying let's let's all let's get the pen. I'll write it out. <laughs> we'll send it to Dave. Well, it's kind of like he he would be Brad, tech would be Jennifer. the bad batch. Uh, he would be their Darth Vader, right? Oh. The the hero that comes back to. 
be their, you know, their villain, their biggest threat. But yeah, you're going to throw goggles and be like, this is all that we recovered. How does a fall like yeah, make right. someone explode? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's all you could find was his goggles? Come on. Yeah. Especially you know? like so. his helmet went around his goggles. For those goggles to still be intact <laughs> exactly. after a fall, that means that helmet stayed on. Oh. <laughs> like he may, maybe a branch and just broke the lens or yeah. something like that. I think, I think you're right though. I think that they have him. They, they have yeah. him. And oh yeah. We'll, I, we'll that's get that 100% what I, I'm thinking is that Hemlock has taken him back because again, he sees these, mm-hmm. these unique clones as the next mm-hmm. step in his, his research. Mm-hmm. I mean, talking about clones again, I want to see more clone commandos because they are so cool. Every time they mm-hmm. show up, I want to know more about them. And the fact that they have never taken, we've never seen a clone commando without the helmet on. Are they Mandalorian by Creed? Because that was a story in Legends was that oh, Jango wow. Fett raised and trained the clone commandos and he was the only one to do it with all his Mandalorian brethren. So they were <gasps> Mandalorian in culture as well as DNA. So again, give me more clone commandos because again, I want more. They are so cool. Yeah, just find a way to give us a, a, a Star Wars Republic Commando 2. Okay, mm-hmm. video game. Like, can we, <laughs> if someone do it, EA, I don't care who does it. Um, <laughs> but let's keep going here. Hemlock demands Hunter lowers his blaster and hand over Omega. He says he, uh, he finds it fascinating that the clones can be so paternal. Uh, he says he was worried to, uh, or sorry, he was sorry to hear about tech and tosses tech's glasses over to him. Uh, and he says, if you don't lower the blaster now, you will lose another. Hunter puts down his gun and they cuff him uh, and uh, and they head out into the street. Omega fires two blasts from her arrow uh, at them and uh, or from her bow at them uh, and demands that they let her brothers go. Hemlock offers an exchange saying that if Omega goes with him, He'll let Hunter and Wrecker go. Almost immediately, a clone commando drops in and stuns Omega. AZ finds Echo, and instead of sneaking past the troopers, they commandeer a walker, and Wrecker and Hunter are broken free as they smash through their captors. Hunter uh, runs towards Hemlock's ship, but arrives too late, and he watches as it takes off with Omega in it. They, uh, They head back to the Marauder, narrowly escaping Ord Mantell, and Echo says there was no way to track Hemlock's ship. And Hunter says they are going to get her back. And they don't stop searching until they do. So what did you think of these moments? Uh, Omega was so easily captured, unfortunately. Uh, where where do you think Hunter, Wrecker, and Echo will go next? Ooh, that's the billion-dollar question, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm just I, asking I really know, to but pick it's... up the pen and keep writing, buddy. No, I know. I think I think there's a there's a lot for them to do, but they need to obviously regroup. They've they've t- taken some losses, right? So I think you know if we do find ourselves in a season three with them, I'm thinking some time has passed mm. uh, between uh, the end of season two and the beginning of season three. So that that will be interesting. Um, Clone commandos coming in and, and swooping up uh, Omega. I wish she had a little more time to use that goddamn bow. I, I wanted know, to see a little so cool. more. I wanted to see her suddenly pull in her tricks and get them out, but then inevitably get caught. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. she's going to do a backflip nice. shot by the end of this series. I guarantee it. it's going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, by the end of this series, yeah. whatever that is, yeah. right? So, but I'd like, like, again, she's shown so much growth over this this uh, second mm-hmm. season that you know it was surprising that she got swooped up so easily when she fired those two shots i was like oh yes we're gonna get to see some omega bow and arrow action and it was just it was over very quickly i mean i kind of like that it just goes to show she is a kid as as much as she thinks she is a part of the team it's like that we we forget that she is a child Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it makes sense that she'd be caught so quickly especially by this elite team uh my whole thing is that where where Echo, Wrecker, and Hunter are going is 
right to Rex because yeah. Rex is the oh. one who's leading this hunt for all the clones who are in need of help and stuff like that. So okay. Yeah, okay. that is the best way to to at least get on the case for yeah. finding these missing clones yeah. because that is the clones care about clones. So Darcy, uh, I yeah. feel like our well, your uprising. I know this isn't Avatar, but um, I feel like our our headtails are attached to each other right now or something. <laughs> Um, it feels great. Air bending. Yeah. Oh, is that what's going on? How many Avatar? Oh, no, uh, different series. Um, no. You know what? I think uh, I think she was. I think her emotions were running pretty high. And uh, like mm-hmm. you said, Darcy, she's a kid, so like she's she's a bit distracted in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, dude, hundred percent. Rex is where they're going. I think they want to seek out maybe more of Rex and Echo sources. And what if? Hear me out here. What if those chain codes to get onto Ariadu? Um, if that's how it's pronounced, is that, am I pronouncing that right? Ariadu. Ariadu. I've really only ever read it, okay. so um, your guess is good. <laughs> <than mine. laughs> so, what if those chain codes, right, to get past the security uh, ships? What if they came from Admiral Rampart? He'd have a vendetta against the Empire. What if Rex has broken him out of jail, of of Imperial jail, and he almost is like a like a callous type character, right? Like yeah. what if they've kind of got this sort of trust in him and he's sort of like this, uh, I would love to see him come back because I, I think he was a, a, a great character. Um, well, especially for how quickly he was just kind think... of moved to the side though right. too, right? Like he could come back in a capacity like that. Yes, and I don't see him being another callous in that he actually does change sides. I feel like he would just be working with the clones in order sure. to turn them over and present them oh, to yeah. the Empire. Anything to kind of get, yeah. get a higher status to be like, yeah. look, I've redeemed yeah. myself. But mm-hmm, I do mm-hmm. think it would be kind of a neat sort of play if 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 that if he was involved somehow. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he'll just be in jail forever. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and die, and die. Yeah, and then you're gonna die. <laughs> Stupid rampart. Um, <laughs> Hemlock arrives with Omega back on Mount Tantus uh, and requests that the doctor has Emery uh, see to Omega's injuries. Omega looks at a somber Nalise and asks her why she brought her there or why she was brought there. Hemlock tells Nalase that Prime Minister Lamassu told him that she had quite the attachment to the young clone. So he's returned her, uh, and now she can reconsider working on the Emperor's project. She tells him that what he seeks is not possible, to which he responds with, make it possible. If you refuse or fail, Omega will suffer the consequences. Omega is brought into the room where she sees Crosshair unconscious, laying on an operating table. Emery walks up to Omega, and Omega says she wants to talk to Nalise. Emery tells her that it's ironic that she'd trust the Kaminoan, but not her. Omega says she doesn't know her. Uh, and Emery <laughs> kneels down and says, you might know me better than you think. We're sisters, Omega. And as the camera pans out, the season ends. So huge reveal here. Megan's doing a happy dance. I'm happy to see, <laughs> Megan, that you and I were right all along. Uh, so, you know, now we know about Omega's big sister, Emery. What does this mean? Uh, do you think that maybe there's more female clones out there? And do you think Omega was only important to Hemlock in order to get Nalise to continue her work? Or do they still need something from Omega specifically for the Emperor's special project? I know that's a lot of questions. I'm just pumped about this reveal. <laughs> well, I mean, number one, I screamed <laughs> when she said, I'm your sister, because 
I was like, I knew it. it. So I've good. never predicted something ever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like when you look back now knowing this, it is pretty obvious, but it's still really no, cool. I'm, to... I was I was pretty I was like, damn, they were right. Right? Like because <laughs> like honestly, it's like I, I know Nate the justification was the the accent. Yeah. It just proves that if, if you have a New Zealand accent in Star Wars, you're, you're a clone. probably a clone. You're That's a clone. It. <laughs> yeah. Listen to yourself yeah. in a recording, and if it sounds like it's from New Zealand, you're a clone. Yeah, <laughs> which is oddly, it's kind of comical. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's that's sort of the, the thing that brought it together. They need to go to a planet that that accent or like, originates from, just to mm-hmm. get it out of the way. That like, one episode, quick stop, pit stop, <laughs> boom, answer solved. Like go. no, yeah. no, no more. Every accent is a clone now. Or New Zealand accent is a clone now. <laughs> yeah. That would just be an annoying giveaway, in my opinion. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. But then the the real hint or giveaway was when Crosshair shot everybody in that room. And then only stunned Emery. I feel like maybe he knew at that point that she was a clone. Well, I mean, maybe you even said it earlier, him? Megan. Like they they can sort of sense. Or they know. Right? They can sense when there when there are other clones um, around them. Crosshair. Yeah. But um, you know, I I think uh, I think she's certainly maybe like a um, a clone trial that didn't go the way either the Kaminoans wanted yeah. or the Empire wanted. Yeah. I think it's interesting to see she has two names though. Um, like she's Emery Carr. So I wonder if this means she was registered as like a regular citizen and she was born on Camino, but then on Camino, but then she like attended in the Imperial Academy for science where she so met. She well, yeah, she's we don't know how old she is. Right? Do you think she's undercover? Undercover from who? Like, like she's just undercover in the Empire. Oh, like, do you think what you're, you're saying that you believe that uh, that Hemlock doesn't know she's a clone? I believe that she does not. He does but not she's got a she's New a Zealand accent, Justin. <laughs> Well, why isn't tell? why isn't why isn't he analyzing her? Uh, right? Interesting, interesting. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if, if to your point, mm. she has a name, she's registered. Yeah. If part of that had to do with some sort of Camino uh, plan to oh, wow infiltrate okay. the this empire, is like now say a secret mm-hmm. person. Yeah, yeah. Her 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 intel. Maybe she's the one that's feeding intel to the clones. Interesting. I don't know. I'm I'm wondering if she's like one of again like, like kind of like the Bad Batch in that there was an alteration at one point and instead mm. of just canceling it they let it go through and the result was Emery Carr because mm-hmm. that that would be a really interesting exploration and then that's like that would make sense as to why she would be important to the story of the Bad Batch if she too was. A, a defective clone to begin oh, with. Oh, she so joins them? Oh, wow. I, well, I think it'd be really neat, especially because we saw that she already has tech. a connection to Crosshair, wanting him to cooperate, to not see him suffer and stuff like that. So, sure. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I oh, yeah. Really the, hints, cool, the writing was on really the wall cool for reveal. sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really I, I remember when we were talking about this early on, and I think it was, I can't remember where it was, but we were talking about it in one of the episodes, and I was just like, I was saying like there are instances beyond just the accent and the things that are more telling to the fact that this reveal matters in in that you know the way she sort of empathetic the way she longingly looked at uh, Nala say in the in the in the cell right and you know that that sort of stuff is is the telling piece of she knows something and she's involved in something but I don't think we fully understand yet what oh, what that not. is I think yeah. I think there's a little. Uh, yeah, I think there's some undercover action going well, on. Well, you know, mm-hmm. I also wonder, uh, Star Wars is not afraid to give us twins every now and then. And so I'm wondering if she's a twin sister of Omega, but she was given the same gene that makes the other clones 
grow faster. They Age faster? Be yeah. twins. Well, no, I mean, technically, they could be born at the same time. Yeah, but then, they're then all, all the clones twins. are twins, and they're not twins. They're a billion. That's what I'm saying, dude. Or whatever. A, a, <laughs> no, a trintillion. No, I think I, I think I think it's likely that she. You guys were, were were on the right track. I think before. I think she is a version of Omega, and I think Omega is still special, as they've mm-hmm. highlighted in the first season. Like there is something about her that makes her entirely unique in comparison. Why is to she the blonde? <laughs> well, she's she's a direct gene, though, too, right? Her mm-hmm. and Boba right. Fett are the only two clones right. that are You're like right. pure yes, genetics. Yep. And I think that is another reason why Hemlock wants her. Like, yes, I do think she's bait for Nalise, but I wonder if they know. They could still share about. a birthday, if you think about it. Yeah. Like, they don't have to be made <laughs> so at the same time as all the other clones. <laughs> so can a bunch of clones, sure, though. But, but the, if, if just like, Omega and Emery share a birthday, wouldn't that make them twins? No, because a bunch of people share birthdays and they're not twins. I don't know. That's like, But you're, cloning, looking, you're <laughs> looking at cloning as birthing. Exactly. Yeah, cloning is not that's, true birth. That's not right. It's manufactured okay. people. That okay. is what a clone I think, is. I think, I think what, <laughs> what, you're, what you're describing might challenge religion in a lot of ways. <laughs> But I also think she calls herself Omega's sister because all clones call each other brothers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think I I do think that she's going to be a main character in the next season. I think um, for sure. I think you know, with with like Tech said, you know, even though she's an enemy right now, Tech said they never leave their own behind. And I think Omega in this next season is going to start to form a bond with her. And for Mm -hmm. Crosshair. I think he'll he'll have to not only get used to living amongst his bad batch brothers again, but mm. also her. And I think there's going to be a little bit more of a point of contention between them. Uh, and mm-hmm. and listen, no one will ever replace Tech, um, especially because he's not dead apparently. Um, but <laughs> as far as someone with his skill set, I wonder if she could fit that role within the crew. I think would make a lot of sense. I don't think she'll be necessarily He's not dead, the though. new one, but no, no but I mean no. even just temporarily for 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 what they need from a standpoint of like that yeah, sort it, it of would be an set. interesting it would for be an the interesting, escape. Right. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, I think I think what we find ourselves at the end of this season in this final episode is you know, season 3 is going to have them divided. They spent all their time in this season together. So now, you know, Omega is going to be with Emery and Crosshair on the on Mount Tantis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Hunter, Wrecker, and Echo are just going to be following leads and trying to get where is this location, right? So they're going to find a way to reconnect. And hopefully, if they do it really well, it won't be until the end of the season or finale. Like to, yeah, the finale where it would really matter. We can just follow these two different storylines over the course mm-hmm. of a season because that'll be nice, you know, a little variety and, and, you know, taking us into different moments and following mm-hmm. those threads and seeing how things will, will connect. And maybe there's that moment where they kind of you know try oh, they're almost not at that point where they could connect but then something happens and it divides them yet again like it, it makes for a really good yeah exa- yeah there you go yeah and like it makes for a really good 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 story for season three i'm only mm-hmm. i'm only down for that justin if if season three is not the last season because i do want a couple of episodes mm-hmm. with like i want the whole crew i want every single one of them working together uh and 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 fighting a good fight so even so they'll you give know, you they'll give you season three yeah and then they'll give you your movie, and there we go. We'll 
Bad Batch the movie. Done. And, and it'll be like Fantastic. Rogue One where they all die at the end because if they were still alive no. around by the time A New Hope was, where the fuck were they in the Empire? Like, fighting yeah. yeah. the Empire yeah. then. You know what, Darcy? Maybe saying. they all just fall from a train car and we never know if they're ever alive again. Um, but uh, let's get to the, the rating. Oh, one more thing, sorry. There are a bunch of tubes in that room uh, <laughs> with bodies in them. Uh, at first I was like, are those a bunch of Snokes? And it's like, no, that would be way too, way no. too early, way too early. They're just probably just clones, clone bodies. Um, but before we get to our uh, rating for these episodes and this season, uh, I wanted for the final time to give you another bad uh, batch fact. I got to say it right. <gasps> a batch fact. The final batch fact of season two. Keisha Castle Hughes, the voice of Emery Carr, is no stranger to Star Wars as she played Naboo Queen Apollena uh, in Revenge of the Sith. There you go. So she was the cool. queen after Padme, I guess. Oh, um, yeah. There you go. Uh, all right, that's a, that's the final batch fact of the, of the season. Uh, I want to know what are your overall thoughts and final score collectively for both of these episodes, which which. For these two episodes, we're going to be rating them on a scale of one to five found sisters. Uh, and then we'll be rating this season of The Bad Batch on a scale of one to five lost brothers. Too I soon. Know. Justin, <laughs> kick us off. Well, um, I think the last two episodes of The Bad Batch season two uh, had some very thrilling moments, uh, but they didn't really fully deliver on a conclusion uh, that I was hoping for, uh, for what was, uh, in my opinion, a very exciting season. I, I really enjoyed this season overall. Um, the implications from these two episodes and the connections to the larger Star Wars universe uh, were, were significant, but, and they also added a, a level of, of depth and story that will you know, undoubtedly just impact future seasons. Um, episode 15 gave us a classic Bad Batch high style uh, episode with that infiltration and gave us some iconic Star Wars characters like Tarkin and Guerrera. Um, and their inclusion in the episode not only provided a, a greater opportunity for action and suspense, but also allowed the writers to delve deeper into the complicated politics in and around this imperial time. Uh, in episode 16, the stakes are obviously raised uh, at the end of 15, um, and the batches are forced to make a sacrifice that you know, leads to a lost brother and it delivered on an emotional moment. Uh, and that was really through the performances like we were talking about from from D. Bradley Breaker as Wrecker and, and Michelle Ang as, as uh, Omega. And it still has me teary eyed. Honestly, it does. Um, the moment the moment left a very lasting impression, not just on the audience, but on the characters as well. Uh, I think the two part finale was a, a satisfying conclusion, satisfying conclusion uh, to the setup of what will be plenty of potential next season. Uh, the implications of the cloning uh, and its importance, I hope that's more explored, obviously, and what we see here. While I might have been expecting more, I did enjoy what we got. So I'm these two episodes, a four out of five found sisters. Now, as for the season in its entirety, uh, I think that this season has proven to be a masterclass in balancing different styles of storytelling to make each week enjoyable for fans. From action-packed episodes to emotionally character-driven moments, head writer Jennifer Corbett and, and supervising director Brad Rao have stuck to the perfect balance between pacing and, and variety. One of the standout elements of this season has been the exploration of the characters' dynamics, both within the core team, but with new allies and enemies as well. 
The writers have done an excellent job showcasing the growth and development of the characters while also introducing new faces that add depth and intrigue to an overarching story. Uh, another highlight is obviously the animation. We've talked to death about this animation. It is fantastic. Yep. This is top-notch Star Wars animation. Um, but I also really loved how this season uh, blended f uh, the familiar with the new. Uh, you know, it, sh it continues to explore the aftermath of the Clone Wars and the rise of the Empire, and it introduces fresh concepts and elements that, that will keep us engaging and always guessing. Like, honestly, we spent a lot of time guessing even just today on these two episodes. Um, it's clear that there is a grand plan for this series, and hopefully season three will continue to explore the cloning technology, as I was mentioning, and the implications that it has on the larger Star, Star Wars universe. Uh, with the, you know, intricate storytelling and compelling characters, you know, the second season has proven to be a satisfying continuation to the story uh, with its well-crafted blend of, of styles of storytelling and focusing on strong character dynamics. So it's proven to be overly influential to the larger Star Wars story. So I'm giving it a five out of five Lost Brothers. Ooh, nice. Okay, Darcy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I again, I said I was very much whelmed by that first episode. It, 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 all it did was set up what was to come in the finale. So that is going to bring the score down a bit, in my opinion. But that finale did give me some really cool scenes. It had me really excited for what, what is to come, which is kind of what I'm always looking forward to in these Star Wars stories is, is what's next, because all I care about is getting more Star Wars stories, mm -hmm. obviously. Mm -hmm. So... I, again, I'm really excited to see where it goes in the future because it is such a unique place to leave these characters off in and to see like how they're going to get back together if they ever are going to do that. It's like, really, really cool potentials for storytelling right there. So that, again, get, brings it back up a bit. So I'll be giving uh, the finale, the, the two episodes that uh, were the finale of this season, uh, four out of five. Uh, found sisters because again it had me excited for the future while the first episode kind of bummed me out a bit because it wasn't what i was looking for overall the season is a market improvement to the last one i found yes. that last when we were at this point last last year we were talking about how there were we were up and down consistently throughout the season where one episode would be good and the next one would be bad whereas this season i feel like there are maybe three episodes maybe four that i felt i didn't enjoy as nearly as much as I should where, which is again, great when you have like 75% of your episodes are absolute bangers. To me, that means the season is really well done. So I'll be giving it 4.5 out of five lost brothers for the full, full season. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Very cool. Megan. Well, you both said, <laughs> no, I'm not going to do this whole thing. Um, you both pretty much said a lot of how I feel. Um, these last two episodes probably could have just been one hour long episode I feel like there was no need to split them in two um, or the split could have happened at Tex Fall instead to make it a little bit more impactful mm -hmm. um, I'm not the biggest fan of the politic part of Star Wars but again that's totally just my own taste um, so yeah I think these two finale episodes are not my favorite, but still exciting. It was a great, satisfying payoff for me for being able to have predicted Emery's state. So that was a great ending. But um, I'm going to give these last two episodes a four out of five found but sisters. But if they had included a, a Clone Wars character, it would have been a five, right? 
<laughs> I mean, if Ahsoka popped her head in, of course. Right. <laughs> no, and I mean, we got, we did technically get a Clone Wars character. We got yeah. Saw Gerrera, yeah. so um, that was great. But like you said, we all got beef with He's, Saw. I'm so. with yeah. <laughs> um, As for the season, I mean, go back and listen to the rest of our watch clubs. I think I gave almost every episode a five. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed this entire season thoroughly except for one particular episode, mm-hmm. which we all know which one that mm-hmm. was. Um, I love every character in this show. I've enjoyed the form of storytelling. Justin, like you said, the animation is out of this world. It's so fantastic. And I couldn't be happier with a Star Wars animated show. So I am also going to give this a five out of five Lost Brothers. I still think it's too soon. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, not really. Crosshair has been lost for a That's while. True. So. That's true. <laughs> They're all lost, unfortunately, no. um, without Omega. Um, okay, so for these two episodes, yeah, like this, the, what everything we've been saying, the cinematography, the performances, and the way that they've just raised the stakes for these characters in this story are just absolutely incredible. Seeing the results of of loss in the in the wake of decisions made not just by the Empire, but by the good guys as well, uh, is a theme that we've been seeing from Star Wars more and more. Um, And as much as it ripped my heart out, uh, seeing Tech making that sacrifice was gripping. Um, Seeing Omega's reaction and then her realization that it actually happened broke me in half twice. Uh, And the music from Kevin Kiner was outstanding to to just elevate these, uh, these, these already elevated moments with such sadness and such darkness at times. And I love like the, the bomb sort of sounds that he puts into some of this. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely incredible. Um, well, I do wish we got a little more crosshair uh, in these, these two episodes. I was kind of upset that I, I do. We didn't get any of him. Um, I get, I get that they're setting it up. And, you know, this is, this is a really great setup for the next season. Um, and it's so it's 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 really intriguing, I think. And and yes, it's satisfying to to get some things right every now and then when we're predicting Star Wars. Um, so I can't wait to see how things end up uh, in in what could be the final season of of this show with a season three. I, I don't know how much further they could they could go, but uh, it's funny that this sort of little spinoff thing that we're like, let's get a season three, a season four, let's get a movie, let's do it. Um, I'm going to give these two episodes a solid four out of five found sisters. For the season, um, like you said, Darcy, such an improvement over season one. Um, I get that they were getting their bearings in the first season. Like, that very much makes sense. Um, And looking back, I'm like, I think I might have been a bit too harsh on them (laughs) during that first season. Um, Maybe a little bit. But seeing, you know, I think they were trying to see what fans enjoyed and what they didn't. And I will say for this this season... um, you know, I, I don't think, yes, there were a lot of episodes that we might have considered side mission episodes. Um, <laughs> but I think all but maybe for me, two of them were absolutely fantastic um, with moments showcasing the Bad Batch growing in different ways. And, you know, Hunter and Wrecker, I don't think were as focused on this season as they were in season one. Um, but, you know, I think even still Wrecker stayed true to himself no matter where he was in this season, which is really admirable. It's a a great trait to showcase Hunter grew into someone who could consider a future for his brothers and especially for Omega. 
uh, Omega went through so, so much this season and in these last episodes uh, and showed some incredible growth, learning from all of her Bad Batch brothers and showcasing those skills, those new skills at different points. Echo showed us that even though you, you may have to leave your family behind, you have to fight for what you believe is the right thing to do. Um, tech finally opened up this season. We got so much wonderful moments with Tech, and, and we got to sort of see him explaining sort of his inner struggle with his emotions and, and, and how his emotions are still there. Um, he just can't show them the same way. And Crosshair, come on. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Crosshair had not only the best episodes in this season, the best episodes in this series, and for me, some of the best animated Star Wars I've ever seen. Um, and just like, there's moments in this that are unbelievable from the visuals and the music together, which were absolutely not, which are moments that will stay with me forever. And I, I already mentioned them in previous uh, episodes, but, but Crosshair seeing the shadow of the snow vulture combined with that booming sound from Kiner's composition or the silence in this, uh, in this final episode of, of when tech falls and everything just goes quiet. Or the slow panning shot of Lula just sitting where Omega would sit in the Marauder. These are moments that will live forever in my mind. Uh, this is absolutely must-watch Star Wars. Brad Rao, Jennifer Corbett, Dave Filoni are giving us uh, a set of characters where we can, we can live through their um, perspective of the outcomes of the greater Star Wars story. And, you know... I, it's just it's it's I love it. It's so exciting to see it. It's it's fun to see this family working together uh, in these episodes. This season stepped it up in so many ways, and I am very happy uh, to give it a solid five out of five. Lost Brothers. Are you guys are you guys hearing this like weird static noise? I'm hearing the static noise on the recording. You're hearing the static noise right now. It, it's get, hold on. It's getting it's getting louder. Hello? Hold on. Hello. If you're hearing this. My name is Omega. I'm trapped here by the Empire, and I'm in a dark room full of tubes. If you can get this message to my family, tell them I'm alright, and that I love them. Their names are Hunter, Rekka, Echo, and Tech. Omega, what are you doing? Omega, Omega, we, we read you. Omega? Come in! Dank Ferric! She's gone. I can't believe yet again Omega was able to reach our comms. That, like, that was, that was crazy. From light years from away. From light years away. <laughs> from potentially... And the past. In, and the past. <laughs> it's crazy. I really do hope her and Crosshair are okay. Hopefully someone will be able to save her. But... Until then, that is it for this Watch Club for Star Wars The Bad Patch Season 2. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or your predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, well, you don't have to escape a boardroom bombing only to lose your brother, get betrayed by your aunt, and discover you have a big sister who's actually a clone of yourself. Instead, Megan, can you let the big, beautiful batches know where they can reach us by holomess? They can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or if you're from New Zealand and also a clone, <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram 
at We Are Geek Centric. Well, that Megan, you sound an awful lot like Omega. Has anybody ever told you that sometimes? Omegan? No, I'm Omegan. <laughs> <laughs> Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other great episodes covering the latest in movies and shows and, and games, including our recent spoiler-free reviews for Kill Buck Soon on Netflix, as well as the Apple TV Plus original series Ted Lasso Season 3, Episodes 1 to 4, uh, which if you want like a therapy session for, for that, uh, please, please stop by. It's a really wonderful episode. Um, we also have a, review, a spoiler-free review out now for the Apple original film Tetris, uh, and we also have our spoiler free review out now for Dungeons and Dragons. Um, we also have interviews out now, like our interview with Mandalorian Season 3 director and producer Rick Femuyiwa and Bo-Katan Kreese herself, Katie Sackoff. I also had the chance to interview the Bad Batch themselves, D. Bradley Baker, uh, which is available... All those uh, interviews are available on our YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. You can also check out our TikToks. We've got some great TikToks going on uh, that Justin is putting together over at We Are Geekcentric on TikTok. So subscribe, click all the bells, click all the things. we got some great stuff coming at you. And with Star Wars Celebration right around the corner, uh, I am so freaking pumped for the future of Star Wars and us talking about it on the Geekcentric podcast. Justin, Darcy, Megan, thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And as we say once again for the final time until season three, good good soldiers soldiers follow orders. orders.